to More Living with Jim Brogan, your source of information for living the best years of your life, your way. For more than a decade, host Jim Brogan and his expert guests have come together each week to share important news and advice that can impact the lives and well-being of those who are retired and those nearing retirement. Learn about issues like health and fitness, financial planning, social security benefits, investment advice, and more. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Good morning, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I hope you're having a great, great weekend, and hopefully our Big Orange will be victorious tonight against South Carolina. It's exciting to get football kicked off again. Today, I have to tell you, today, I'm excited about our guest today. Um, today, we're going to talk about retiring in today's world because there are some very challenging economic conditions right now. Uh, that have nothing to do with the pandemic or very little to do with the pandemic, maybe is a better way to say that. And then the pandemic has kind of compounded some of those issues. And there are some long-term implications for those of you that are either looking to retire in the next three or four years or are already retired, especially if you're, you know, in your early years of retirement. So we're going to kind of dive into all of those challenges, uh, these economic conditions, uh, what what should you be thinking about in the short term with market volatility? What should you be thinking about in the long term with market volatility and growth of investments and most importantly, growth of income in retirement? So today I'm very pleased to have an old colleague, a friend of mine, Dr. Wade Fowl. Uh, Dr. Fowl is Professor of Retirement Income at the American College of Financial Services He's also the founder of Retirement Researcher. He earned his Ph.D. in economics from Princeton University in 2003, and he's really uh, one of the leaders in our industry uh, in the United States at research to support wise, informed retirement decisions. And as you know, I'm all about, I mean, that's what this show is about. That's what I do in my classes is about trying to bring you great information so you can make informed and prudent decisions that can impact the quality of your life. And that's what uh, Wade has done his entire career. Uh, In uh, 2016, Investment News Magazine made him, named him one of their innovators in their list of titans in the financial advice industry. He's just received numerous and numerous awards. He's also a very down-to-earth great guy. Good morning, Dr. Fowl. Welcome to More Living. It's great to talk with you again. Good morning, Jim. It's good to talk to you again. Yes, absolutely. How are things up north for you? Tell tell our listeners where the American College is and how are things up your way? Well, the American College, it's in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. They moved the campus a couple years ago. It's right outside of Philadelphia, though. But actually, last summer, I moved to Dallas, so I'm not currently located up that way. (laughs) Oh, I I wasn't aware of that. uh, So how do you like Dallas? Oh, it's been great. Yeah, there's just a lot of different reasons I moved here, but one was I was traveling so much for work that it's the perfect location to get around the country. And then now, of course, there really isn't much in the way of travel anymore. But uh, yes, well, but that'll that'll all change eventually, and I guess you can get just about anywhere. You know, there's direct flights to Knoxville, Wade. You need to come out up and mm-hmm. visit sometime and visit beautiful East Tennessee sometime. <laughs> 
<laughs> hey, let's uh, let's dive into this. Um, you know, let's talk about the conditions we're in right now. And, and I'm not talking about the pandemic. We're going to get to the economic environment in terms of the short term here in just a, a second. But in terms of diversification, I really want to talk about what diversification is. And, you know, Dr. Fowl, over the years, you know, the mo- so so common that I see in my office is people come in with a 60-40 or a 70-30 portfolio, meaning 60% in stocks and 40% in bonds. Usually they're using mutual funds or ETFs to do that, exchange-traded funds. Um, and it's, you know, 60-40, 70-30, and it's overwhelmingly traditional U.S. bonds. Talk about, you know, what do you think of that traditional approach to hedging risk in a portfolio, and is that really truly diversified, and what are your concerns in today's world? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, absolutely. So that is the basic idea of diversification, and it's really simply you don't put all your eggs in one basket. You want to have a different set of asset classes because if one thing's going up and another thing's going down, well, if you only own the thing that's going down, you're going to be in trouble. But if you own a broader basket of potential investments, hopefully they'll kind of average each other out and you'll get a decent return over time. I, I think, though, the, the problem about diversification is just when we think about retiring, there's this whole new set of risks that retirees face where the idea of just diversifying between like a stock bond portfolio doesn't really get you to where you need to be because there's other tools out there that can diversify other types of returns that can help get you a a better foundation for the problem you face in retirement, which is making sure you can spend over the remainder of your lifetime. So talk about the, some of the issues with traditional bonds right now. I mean, interest rates are hit historic lows. Uh, our 10-year Treasury note has been under 1% since March, and it's never been under 1% in our history, I don't believe. Talk about the challenges of the traditional bond world. I mean, it, you know, how has it been used in a, in a portfolio historically, and what are the challenges moving forward? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a problem for today's retirees because we always think about, when we talk about diversification, that bonds are the foundation for all that that they're a way to help reduce your volatility or reduce the chance that you'll have losses. Like you invest in stocks for growth, but you accept that risk that stocks can go down. And then people think of bonds as something to really just counterbalance that and give you a, a less volatile strategy. But for retirees, interest rates matter. And the fact that for years now, we've been talking about how interest rates have been low, but the the global pandemic has really taken that to a new level. You know, the, the 10-year Treasury yield has been around 0.7%, and we have very little experience before with it ever being even under 2%. And that's going to lower the returns or lower the income that a bond portfolio will generate. And it's also very important for everyone to understand that if interest rates do go up, that that will lead to losses on the bonds that they own. If they need to sell bonds to fund their retirement spending and interest rates have gone up, they're going to have to sell their bonds at a loss. And so bonds can lose value just like stocks can. And that hurts their ability to help diversify a retirement portfolio. Yeah, so, you know, interest rates are so low. You know, and most people, when they buy bonds, you know, and what I see, Wade, is they – 
they have bond mutual funds, which, of course, bond mutual funds never hold bonds to maturity. They're constantly buying and selling bonds. So, you know, only one of two things can happen with interest rates. They can either stay historically low. I guess some people have argued whether they could go negative, but they can't go much lower than they are now. So they, they stay historically low, in which case bonds aren't paying much, or interest rates go up and bonds do even worse, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. If they just stay low, that means if interest rates never change again and you buy a 10-year bond today and hold it for 10 years, that yield, that 0.7% or so that it's offering, that will be your return for the next 10 years. If, it, if interest rates subsequently go up and you need to sell that bond before maturity or you otherwise, as you say, hold a, like a mutual fund that's trying to keep a collection of bonds averaging at about the same date of maturity, that's going to have losses. And then if you have to sell shares of that fund to cover your retirement spending, then again, you're, you're going to have to sell those at a loss as well, just like the risk of the stock market. Well, I'll tell you what, um, I do want to mention to our listeners, we have a video. Uh, it's, a, it's a four or five minute video. I have a whole uh, library of some videos that we have newly posted at my website. If you go to broganfinancial.com and you, you click on resources, there's a drop down menu called Brogan University. And one of my most recent videos is, is your portfolio truly diversified? And, uh, you know, Wade talked about, you know, if, if, if one thing is down and all your stuff is in that one thing, then you're, all your stuff is way down. The way I like to say that is that you have one thing is eggs and other things eggs. But I'd urge you to go watch that video. It's a free video. It's four or five minutes long. Again, you can go to broganfinancial.com, click on resources and Brogan University. Now, when we come back, I'm going to talk about how we look at projecting and funding retirement and some of the danger of looking at historical returns. So we're visiting with Dr. Wade Fowl. He is a real titan in the financial planning industry. He's professor at the American College of Financial Services. Don't go away. As you listen to More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Listening to More Living with Jim Brogan. During the week, Jim is a financial advisor, an author, and speaker with an MBA from the University of Tennessee who specializes in helping people in or near retirement plan for the next phase of their lives. You can reach Brogan Financial during the week at 865 862 6800 or on the web at brokenfinancial.com. And now, here's Senior Market Advisor Magazine's 2011 National Advisor of the Year and host of More Living. Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm your host, Jim Brogan, and we're visiting with Dr. Wade Fowl. He's a really a titan in the, he's one of the most well-known, regarded um, journal, well, really researchers for the retirement planning world. And the Journal of Personal Finance actually recently named him the fifth most prolific financial author of the last 10 years. He's a professor 
uh, of retirement income at the American College of Financial Services. And Dr. Fowl, uh, you know, when we look at the past, so we were there at the end of the segment, you know, we were talking about that interest rates are so low and interest rates and bond values, you know, when interest rates go up, bond values go down. And when interest rates go down, bond values go up. So they move in an opposite direction. So one way to look at that is with interest rates historically low, that would mean bond prices are historically high. Then when we look at the stock market, now there's different ways to value stocks, but under just about any measurement, uh, stocks are considered anywhere from fairly expensive to very expensive. So we've got this dynamic where both stocks and bonds are expensive, and we've really never had an environment like that since 1900. So talk a little bit about that challenge. And when we run, you know, like projections for our retirement future, that, I mean, it, can, we restore, can we depend on historic data? What do you think? I think it's a real challenge. And, and right, with interest rates, they've been coming down consistently since the 1980s. And it's the opposite side of the story, as you just mentioned. If interest rates go down, you end up getting higher returns from your bonds. So for the last 30-plus years, people have been getting higher returns from their bonds. And when you look at the historical data, you then say, well, bonds give you a pretty good return. But none of that's relevant when you look at, well, today if I retire and I'm going to put together a bond portfolio or any bond portfolio that I own at this point looking forward from today, well, this is a world where the 10-year Treasury yield is about 0.7%. And that you can't get those higher returns. So that sometimes if you just talk to or do some basic retirement analysis and you're going to say, well, what do I think stocks will return in the future? What do I think bonds will return in the future? A lot of times they still just plug in these historical numbers. And so they'll build a retirement plan saying that your bond portfolio could earn 5 or 6% a year. And that's impossible or almost impossible. If interest rates can still go down a little bit more and that could juice your returns a little bit. But there's really no way for a bond portfolio to earn those historical average 5 or 6 returns from this point forward. And that really then leads you to miss the boat because it, it gets into this whole world of people who think about spending in retirement. A lot of that starts with what's known as the 4% rule of thumb. And it's just based on U.S. historical data about what you're able to spend in retirement. But I'm, I'm concerned that that sort of approach is just too optimistic because, as you're saying, we've never experienced this kind of situation. We, interest rates have never been this low and at the same time, stock market valuations are as high as they've ever been. And with stocks, it's a little more controversial, but it, it's a, a decent relationship that when stock valuations are higher, you should expect lower stock returns in the future. And so we're getting these conditions. Yeah, so do you think for somebody retiring today, Wade, you know, people say, oh, the, the U.S. stock market over time averages 9.5-10% per year. I mean, do you think that's a realistic expectation for somebody retiring today on the stock portion of their portfolio? I don't think so. I don't think it's a realistic prediction about what, like, what might happen on average. But that's the thing about with retirement. You can't even then base your plans on what might happen on average. You have to worry about something more conservative. So if any of your listeners have ever kind of put together a retirement plan 
you might use software where it's trying to say, well, let's build a plan that will give you a 90% chance for success. And when you're doing something like that, you don't even get to rely on the average outcomes. You have to assume a more conservative return so that the plan would work 90% of the time. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit, Dr. Fowl. Um, you know, when we retire, I think what you're kind of hitting around at is we inherit a different kind of risk when we're withdrawing money than when we're just saving money. And it's sequence of return risk, or the way I like to say it is market timing risk. You know, if the market averages over the next 10 or 15 years, even averages 7 or 8% a year, or even 6 or 7 the reality is it's, it becomes critically important where the good years and where the bad years. Can you just hit a little bit on that, you know, the importance of planning for that type of a risk when planning for retirement income? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a huge part of what makes retirement different. That I, We have this idea of stocks for the long run, and it's just this idea that if you can hold on to a diversified portfolio of stocks for long enough, you should do fine that stocks should eventually outperform bonds. There's this, it's called the risk premium, this idea that by taking the risk with stocks, you can expect higher returns over time. But the, the issue with, well, when you start to spend from your portfolio, even if I have a 30-year-long retirement, I can't really say, well, if stocks are going to do fine over 30 years, then I should be fine. It's specifically what order do the, do the returns come? And if there's a market downturn early in retirement, and I'm having to sell from my portfolio to fund my expenses. And so I'm having to sell at a loss and consume my principal, not, not able to just spend from the gains from the portfolio. Then that starts digging a hole for my portfolio that even then if the market subsequently recovers, my portfolio doesn't have a chance to recover. And so a retirement outcome, even for a 30-year retirement, the amount I can spend could be a lot less than suggested by what the average market performance was over my retirement because it's just more dependent on what happens early on rather than what happens on average over the whole retirement. And that was actually something uh, you really drove home for me uh, several years ago when you presented at a conference that I was at. You may remember that. Um, When you talked about, you looked at the data that if, if retirees live for let's say 30 years in their retirement, over 80% of the outcome is determined in the first 10 years, and over 50% of their outcome is determined in the five first five years. In other words, when you're pulling money out and you're going, you're spending money from your portfolio, that first five, it's so critically important that you don't have a huge hit to your savings in those first five to 10 years, right? It's kind mm-hmm. of what we're saying. Yeah, you said that, right. Yeah, and and once you get past to the second half of retirement, it doesn't even really matter anymore what the market's doing. It's really just what happens early on that drives those outcomes. Now, Doctor, we're visiting with Dr. Wade Fowle, Professor of Retirement Income for the American College of Financial Services, one of our leading experts today across the in the entire United States, especially for financial. Uh, advisors, financial planners, and people that really help people specifically with retirement. I believe, Dr. Fowl, that people can have a retirement plan to reduce that risk, you know, of what if they retire into a bear market in those first five years. And I'm a big believer of sequencing income. I like to think of putting our assets in two different buckets. You know, one bucket is safe money, 
and that's money that's either stable or protected. Now, then, of course, we've got to look at who's backing the guarantee if it's protected. But it's either, in other words, it's money we can count on being there. So your traditional bond funds do not go in that category. But then you have your risk investments that provide more long-term growth. So I think it's crucial. You mentioned, Dr. Fowl, that you don't want to spend money. You don't want to sell investments and spend that money when they're significantly down. So from my view, you need at least five years' worth of income that you can draw from things that are safe and stable. And in an ideal world, you'd have seven or eight years so you can give those risk investments time to go through ups and downs. Can you just comment about that approach to income planning and to try to minimize that sequence of return risk? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely one of the core ways to help manage this sequence of returns risk that... If you, and this has come up a little bit, like if you hold a mutual fund, there's no way to avoid losses. If you're really purchasing individual bonds or things to put in that short-term bucket that you're going to hold to their maturity date, you can kind of get away with ignoring interest rate fluctuations because when the bond matures, you'll get the face value back. So if, if you can structure to have those next early re- few retirement years covered through fixed income assets that are going to mature and give you what you're expecting to receive. And then all your stocks or other growth volatile assets you have in this other bucket so that you don't have to spend from that until at least your, the, the protection that you build up at the front end has been spent down. That gives you a window of opportunity so that if there is a dip in the market, hopefully, and as has happened often historically, when we saw an example of it this year, like markets will recover in time so that you can go ahead and just spend down from your safe bucket and give your uh, growth bucket or your stocks a chance to recover before you have to start taking the spending from there. That's right. I don't want our listeners to misunderstand our previous conversation where we're talking about concerns of projections. I still think that You know, people need to have good stock exposure for long-term growth of income because I still believe, Wade, that it'll be the best way to beat inflation long-term. We just have to have some level of diversification so we don't suffer that cruel math of those losses. It takes so long to recover big losses, but then that we have assets we can spend from uh, that are stable when markets are down. Uh, I have a, um, a guide I've written called Market Volatility in the New Age. And if you go to broganfinancial.com, click on resources, um, you'll go right to it and you can download that guide. Uh, when we come back with, with Dr. Wade Fowl, we're going to talk about the current conditions, the effect of the pandemic. Why do we see the economy with these bad numbers and the stock market is continuing, at least until this month, was continuing to hit new highs? What are all the dynamics we need to be thinking about here? So don't go away as we visit with Dr. Wade Fowl right here on More Living with Jim Brogan. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. weekly 
radio show, television news appearances, and adult education classes taught at the University of Tennessee and Mississippi State Community College. Jim taps into his extensive knowledge and experience to address issues important to living your best retirement. Join Jim every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI and visit him online at broganfinancial.com. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. And very, very important topic this week with Dr. Wade Fowle, one of our real leading experts and innovators in the world of uh, retirement planning. He's at the American College of Financial Services. I met with uh, Wade several years ago. Have become He's become a friend of mine that I am able to touch base with from time to time, and, and I follow him. And I do want to mention briefly before we get back to him, you know, there's so much information out there. There are so many rules. There are so many critical errors that people make. And the whole purpose of everything that I do is to help you understand your true challenges so you can make informed and prudent decisions and to invest to achieve specific outcomes. And that's what Dr. Fowle has always done with what he does with retirement income education. You know, he's one of the top experts that I lean on for education with his retirement researcher. You know, there are several people that I really respect that I really have to listen to. But, you know, this is my job 24-7 is to stay on top of all this stuff. So I do want to mention uh, one of the, the leading ways that I try to keep you informed is the, 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 are the classes that I teach. And my next class is at Pellissippi State Community College. Now, it's this Tuesday. So it's the next two Tuesdays. I guess that's uh, September the 29th and October the 5th, I think it is. And it's at Pellissippi State Hardin Valley, How to Thrive Financially in Retirement. And it's two two-hour sessions, adult education. If you're retired or getting ready to retire, I would love to see you there. Uh, we're offering it. We're offering it dually. We're offering it. If you want to come in person and you want to learn that way and you're comfortable, uh, we are following CDC guidelines and Knox County guidelines with distancing and cleanliness and mask wearing. Uh, I'll be wearing a face shield to to, to protect everybody. But we'd love to see you there. But if you would rather attend virtually, you can also attend virtually via Zoom online. So you can go to PellissippiRetirementPlanning.com for more information about the class. It's $59. Again, it's PellissippiRetirementPlanning.com. You can download a syllabus and click to register. I would love to see you there. So Dr. Wade Fowle, Professor of, of Retirement Income for the American College of Financial Services, Dr. Fowle, let's talk about what's going on right now. Um, the pandemic, you know, of course, is really kind of a black swan event. Nobody would knew it would be coming. Um, where do you see us economically, Wade? I mean, do you, you know, we're, we are seeing economic recovery, signs of recovery. Uh, we had a tremendous pullback in economic activity in, in the second quarter. What do you see moving forward? Well, I mean, it's tough to know, and, and certainly we could be in a situation where things do recover and so forth, but, but still lost in the mix of all that is at this stage, a lot of people are start going to be forced into an involuntary retirement earlier than they may have anticipated, 
just as the economy sort of restructures and, and gets back on track, not everyone will either be able to find as high a paying job as they've had before, or just people who are getting close to retirement may, may struggle to find a new job. And so it creates more hardships no matter what happens for people near retirement where they have to make sure that they have a foundation. And then we were already talking about the interest rates. That just makes it harder for it's low interest rates are great if you're borrowing money, but if you're trying to save and fund your retirement, it's the opposite. It makes it a lot more difficult to fund retirement. So people close to retirement today, yeah, they, they face a difficult situation really no matter what happens with the economy in the future. Well, let's, uh, I want to dive into that a little bit, Wade, but talk about, I get asked every week, I have somebody come in and ask me this, Jim, the economy has gotten hit so hard, how has the stock market continued to rally? Uh, So can you give us your perspective of what's going on in the economy versus what's going on in the stock market? Mm -hmm. Well, it's a bit of a mystery, but I mean, something that did become clear when we talk about how the the S&P 500, uh, like the biggest 500 stock market, um, well, companies in the U.S. been reaching new highs and was really ahead of the curve with regard to smaller company stocks or even international stocks. But that was really just being driven by these five largest technology stocks. The, the Microsoft and the Amazons and Facebook and, and Apple and the Google Alphabet company, that they were driving it all. <laughs> and, and they really can benefit from everything going online and people becoming more reliant on technology. Like the, the biggest companies, these mega huge companies, can consolidate and, and benefit from all this, even if every other company faces trouble. And that was the case. It was these five companies were driving the growth. And if you took them out and just looked at the other 495 companies, they were not doing as well. And and so that, I think, partly was masking it. Yeah, so maybe it's not giving a real real true picture. I think I saw something, Wade, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, that as of the end of August, the five stocks, technology stocks you mentioned were up, I think, close to 40% year-to-date, and the other stocks, the other 495 stocks in the S&P 500 were down 5%, I think is the number I saw. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. And just to be clear so that people understand, it's a market capitalization weighted index. So the fact that those five companies are such huge companies, they get more weight, and that's how... When you put the five companies against the others, you could still you see these positive growth for the overall index. Now, the flip side is well, the market has continued is I mean, even at minus five percent for all the other stocks, you know, that's you know, that's not too bad considering everything that's been going on. So our government, you know, we've had massive federal stimulus from Congress and our Federal Reserve has shown a willingness and telegraphed a willingness to do anything necessary that they can to try to prop up the economy in the short term. And actually, and I've talked on this show, Wade, have really taken some unprecedented actions in a few instances to help prop up the economy. And there have been some articles that have been written that basically say, you know, don't ever bet against the Federal Reserve. So how much do you think the the policy of the Federal Reserve specifically, but also the economic stimulus, is having an impact here? 
Well, it surely does help to continue to use those tools of monetary policy. I think that what that leads people to worry about is what are the long-term ramifications for inflation as the Fed continues to try to prop up the economy with this stimulus and with the lower interest rates and the trying to push even negative or just putting more money into the economy. But still, when we look at the best indicators we have in the economy about future inflation, markets don't expect inflation to pick up. And I think that's another puzzle as well about why is the stock market doing so well? Why do the markets not anticipate higher inflation in the future when all this is happening, this kind of support to try to prop up the economy through the stimulus? It's really a, a, a puzzling situation about everything going on in the economy. So one thing that underscores to me, Wade, is that in the short term, the stock market is a crapshoot. And so, you know, a lot of people, we have a lot of potential for volatility and uncertainties right now. we got the pandemic. We've got, you know, unrest, rioting all over the country. We've got a presidential election. Our situation in Washington, D.C. is maybe as toxic, it's certainly, as it's ever been in my lifetime and most of our listeners' lifetimes. So people are worried about volatility, but we don't invest in the stock market for where we might be next month or in three months or even a year from now. And we talked earlier about having a five-year focus and having more safe, stable holdings if we need money in the meantime. And, you know, I think that's crucial right now as people are asking me more and more, and I'm actually working on an article that's going to be coming out in the next couple of weeks Uh, on how presidential elections affect the stock market and, you know, historically and what we need to be thinking about. But but I think, and I want your opinion on this, Dr. Fowle, I think it can be dangerous for people to worry about the short-term timing because it's not only how do you get out of stocks, it's also when do you get back into stocks. Nobody saw this rapid recovery since March. So could you talk a little bit about that? I'm sure you're getting a lot of people asking you those questions, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you want to be a long-term investor and you don't want to panic and sell your stocks after a market downturn because that's always, it ends up being the worst possible time to do that. And so that's why you need to figure out what's the appropriate amount of risk to take. And also, if you're retired, as you're saying, that's where you have that bucket idea where you have the bonds to cover your short-term expenses so that you don't have to worry about selling the stocks. We had the classic example of with the financial crisis in 2008, the people who left the market by early 2009 missed the next 10-year bull market. And we have a new example. The market started going down in late February into mid to late March. If you just said, okay, I've had enough, I'm leaving the stock market in March, you missed that subsequent unbelievably fast recovery where the market was once again reaching new highs. And you can't time those things. If you miss those gains, you sell after your losses and then you miss the gains, that is going to be a really bad outcome. And so it's best to just figure out what's the amount of stocks I can comfortably hold and still sleep at night and not panic and not pull the trigger and sell everything if the markets are going down. That's going to lay a better foundation for long-term success. And then I would just add, you know, having in your market portfolio, you've got diversification where you're not just in stocks. So you're in, you know, 
asset classes that when one zigs, another zags. So if the market's down 40% in an average bear market, you're not down 35 or 40%. You know, hopefully you can lose, you know, less money in the market decline. Now, if you do that, you know, you're probably going to make less when there's a market boom. So investing to me is very much about balancing risk and reward. I'll tell you what, there's been important legislation uh, in, the, in, in December Congress uh, passed and the president signed into law the SECURE Act, which affects retirement planning today, and it affects estate planning. And so I want to get into some of that in the last segment, so stay tuned as we visit with industry leader Dr. Wade Fowl here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan. listening to more living with jim brogan if you miss any of today's show or want to listen to it again visit broganfinancial.com where you can access the podcast and other educational materials to help you in your journey through retirement and now here's senior market advisor magazine's 2011 national advisor of the year and host of more living jim brogan welcome back this is more living on news talk 98.7 woki a uh, very important topic, the challenge of retiring in these conditions, uh, not just pandemic-related, but with uh, where stock and bond prices are. We're visiting with Dr. Wade Fowl. He was named the fifth most prolific financial author in the last 10 years by Journal of Personal Finance and the 10th most prolific author in the last 30 years. He's a real titan in the industry. He's professor of retirement planning at the American College of Financial Services. Uh, Dr. Fowl, I mentioned registration, uh, or excuse me, uh, legislation. So the SECURE Act was passed in December, and it fundamentally changed some things about retirement. Now, I want to focus specifically on how it affects retirement planning. So can you, you know, there were some things in for younger folks. They're trying to give more people access to retirement account savings earlier on. Uh, But talk about how to, can you hit the highlights of what investors, retirees, or soon-to-be retirees need to be aware of with the SECURE Act. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So one, one positive change for retirees was that the age that you have to begin taking required minimum distributions from your IRAs or your other 401ks and so forth, that changed from 70 and a half up to 72 now. And now we know with the global pandemic and the CARES Act, people don't have to take the required minimum distribution in 2020. But once we get over this emergency situation, it's now 72 in the future. So that was a positive. The other um, aspect that impacts retirees more, it's more of a negative, and that relates to if you don't end up spending all the money in your IRAs and 401ks in retirement. So that becomes an asset that, say, your adult children inherit from you. They've made the way those accounts have to be distributed much less attractive. So that if I have, say, an adult child inheriting the rest of the assets in my IRA, 
in the past, that person could then distribute from the account and pay taxes on the distributions over their expected remaining lifetime. And that's now been changed to they just have a 10-year window where they have to make sure they fully deplete the account within 10 years. Now, to the extent that adult children inheriting these assets are doing so in, in their peak earning years, like people usually have their highest incomes getting into their 50s or so. And if that's also the 10-year band where they have to deplete these accounts, that can push them into higher tax brackets and then have to pay higher taxes on what they inherited. So it's made inheriting traditional IRAs, or and that's usually if you had a 401k, by then you're going to roll it over to an IRA. But anything where you have those required minimum distributions are now going to be much less attractive for your adult children, or n- not for spouses, but for other kind of non-spouse beneficiaries, a lot less attractive for them to be inheriting. Absolutely. Uh, I have a guide on my website. If you go to broganfinancial.com, click on resources. Uh, it's on the SECURE Act. It's a Q&A, uh, how the SECURE Act re- affects retirement planning. Uh, you mentioned, you know, we're, we're basically, Wade, we're leaving our heirs a retirement, a, a tax time bomb because, you know, we've not paid income tax on most, if not all, the money that are in these retirement accounts, everything except for Roth, of course. And now they have to take it over 10 years, often in their peak earning years, as you said. But a lot of people don't even get the 10 years. So talk a little bit about the critical. I think this is the most overlooked area in estate planning. I felt that way before the SECURE Act, and I feel that way after the SECURE Act. Wade, if you could talk about the critical importance of how we name beneficiaries, because most people don't really give it a second thought. Uh, yet it's awfully important, right? So can you walk us through the importance of understanding how to name beneficiaries? Well, so if you have multiple children, you have to be thinking about, like, do you want them to get equal shares pre-tax or post-tax and how, what tax brackets they're in, or this could even impact. Maybe I should give the, the child with a higher salary Roth assets instead of an IRA and so forth. But then you also have this category of non-person beneficiaries, and that can be things like trusts. And then that that gets a lot more complicated, but the basic idea about a non-person beneficiary, unless you can find a workaround, is they just have a a five-year window instead of even a 10-year window to distribute those accounts. So that can then push up taxes much sooner and again, it's the same kind of issue about, well, what are the tax rates that people, that the beneficiaries from the trust are going to be paying on those Yeah, so I'll, I'll just kind of piggyback there. You know, naming trusts with the new 10-year rule on payout is, naming a trust as beneficiary becomes even more complicated because what is, what is the money going to do when it gets into the trust? How is it going to be taxed? Is it going to flow out and be taxed to the beneficiary? Or is it going to stay in the trust and be taxed at very, very disadvantageous trust tax rates? Uh, there is a way to, there are ways to write trusts where they qualify for the 10 years, but you most certainly need to be using an attorney that understands those rules. Um, the other thing I'll add, Wade, of course, is that, you know, when we name beneficiaries, the beneficiary designation supersedes the will. So people take all this time and care into writing their legal documents. Yet, in fact, as a rule of law, the beneficiary designation supersedes the will, and that's where people can trip up and make mistakes. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you've created a trust, but you have to fund it. And if you stay in the will to fund the trust with your IRA, that has no impact if you're the beneficiary designation on the IRA is, is not to the trust. But the other thing is people who have trusts from the past, some of them may have a the way the distribution works is, well, you have to take out the required minimum distribution, and that was based on that lifetime stretch. Well, if you follow that with the new 10-year rule, if it can apply, that means you take out zero for the first nine years, and then you take out 100% of the account in year 10. And, of course, by taking out a huge chunk all in one year, that can lead you to the highest tax bracket in that year. So that's something else people may want to check. Yeah, it makes, it makes tax planning even more important when the beneficiaries inherit the assets to understand the rules because they have complete flexibility over the 10 years, as you said. Dr. Wade Fowle from the American College, uh, also retirementresearcher.com. Uh, thank you so much. I hate we're out of time. I could visit with you for hours, but thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to share uh, such great wisdom with our, with our listeners. My pleasure. It's always great talking to you. Yes, you too. That's Dr. Wade Fowle, one of the leading innovators in the retirement planning industry. Today we've discussed your wealth because greater wealth provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Thank you to Chris running the board. Thank you to Jill producing the show. Have a great, great weekend. This is More Living with Jim Brogan on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.